Everyone has had a wonderful week. We welcome everyone to our fifth installment of our series, our series which is titled 10 Steps to a New Spiritual You. What we're going to have happen tonight is I am going to finish up with Lesson 5, and if all goes well, Danny will start with Lesson 6 uh, next week. If for some, uh, some reason we have a weird snafu, what I will end up doing next week is actually presenting a recap of the first five lessons so that it can be fresh in our minds and then Danny will come into uh, lesson six and we will do a recap at that one as well and that'll leave one more week left in the quarter and uh, then we'll be getting ready to start a new quarter. I've already contacted my partner in uh, class in teaching for uh, the next quarter, and uh, we're in the process of figuring out what wonderful class we're going to bring you all as a team, plus we're going to be looking for um, a team to actually take care of Sunday morning classes as well. So we have some plans, and by the grace of God, they will come to fruition. Would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we love you so very much, Father, and we're so blessed that we have this opportunity today, Father, to come together and study your word. Heavenly Father, as we explore uh, the ten steps to a new spiritual you, as we explore what it is to work towards spiritual maturity, Father, we pray that we will take the lessons to heart and we will not look at ourselves to judge ourselves, Father, but look at the lessons, Father, to help us improve upon ourselves and what it is we're doing in our walk of faith. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for blessing us each and every day of our lives. Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Oops, I forgot something. What I just did fall in the category of a uh, Sierra Mike for military people, a senior moment. Okay, so that's what I had, a senior moment. I forgot this. So in this session, this in this particular session, we take a look at one of the most difficult of the 10 disciplines, if you will, on the way to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity being what we as Christians should be striving to achieve as we go through our walk of faith. So thus far, we have said that our primary goal is to become more Christ-like. This is the new you that we are aiming for in these classes that we are bringing to us here. Now, this pursuit, this pursuit requires that we develop certain spiritual disciplines which we have been studying and so far what we have studied is and looked at is we looked at intimacy which is developing a closer walk with God we've looked at simplicity which is basically what we're saying is we want to declutter our lives if you will we want to go about the business of removing and and reordering those things that tend to spoil our intimacy with God we looked at silence and solitude, which to two go hand in hand, which when you put them together, what it is, it is learning to be still. It is learning to be still. It is learning to listen. 
it is learning to hear. And all of this goes to we are paying attention to what God is saying to us. What we are doing is we are detaching ourselves from the world in order that we may grow closer to God. Now, one of the more difficult disciplines of the ones we will study that we have to learn is the fifth one in the series. And that discipline is what we will be looking at tonight. And that is referred to what we see at the bottom there, surrender. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance because, you see, James did something. James sent um, a group of questions, thought questions, to Tracy, and Tracy was kind enough to put them in the bulletin, but that's not what I'm apologizing for. I'm apologizing for the sidebar questions. (laughs) Sidebar question. Sidebar question number one. What does surrender to God mean to you? Now, anyone want to respond? Let me know and I can get a mic coming. Matter of fact, I need a young man. Nathan is my partner. Nathan, you want to be my partner? Yeah, we partnering up anyway, so. (laughs) So, anyone wish to respond? Raise your hand and Nathan will be there with the microphone. Well, when you surrender to God, you put God first. You, you know, when it comes time to make a decision to go someplace or go to church, you know, you, there's there's no question where you're going. But when you when you surrender, you there is no question. You know, God comes first in your life. Thank you. For me, it was when I realized that I'm literally nothing without him and it's it, it it that I literally there's nothing good I could do without him there's nothing about me that is special without him um so it was basically acknowledging my worthlessness <laughs> that was my surrender okay all right anyone else ah Um, I just came to a realization the other day, um, God always comes first, and then me, and then then my family, and so yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, surrender can be voluntary and involuntary. Sometimes God puts you in positions where you have no choice to, but to surrender um, but hopefully, as Christians, we uh, do not allow ourselves to get to that point. We surrender voluntarily, and we do that based on our love for him. All right. Thank you. All right. Oh, one over here. I'm going to be honest with you. Having Nathan do this for me is less tiring. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 
I, I just ditto all the other comments, but to me, surrender meaning means living a life of obedience, like practically living a life of obedience to the word of God. Thank you. Ah, all right. What well, the things you guys would do to keep them getting to those thought questions. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, when I think about it, you know, surrendering to God, in my mind, it also means to do that, we have to let go of some things. And, uh, you know, we, we want to be like a child who's trying to pick up all the toys and carry them, and they're dropping out on both sides. And so sometimes we need to learn to let go and let God. And so to me, that's just a, a thought I'd share. Okay, thank you. So then, oh, sorry. Just on the same lines, as, as Court said, you know, the song say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. So to me, it's having that heart and will and wanting to let him handle it and trusting that he will take care of it. All right, thank you. Thank you all for your comments. So if I had to take everything that was said and wrap it up in a cute little package, what we basically come up with is this, when it comes to surrendering to God, it means we're releasing our, better still, I am releasing my grip or my hold on my rights, my plans, my dreams, and what am I doing? I am putting them into the hands of God. For example, not my will, but your will be done. When Christ Jesus was praying in the garden, uh, yeah, he knew what he had to endure. And it was not going to be easy going. And it was, it was going to be hard. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be crucified. He's, a spear is going to be rammed into his side. He knew all of this stuff was coming. But still, he said, your will be done, not mine. So what are we saying then? We're saying, Lord, not my plan. Lord, not my dream. Lord, not my rights. Lord, but your plans, your vision, your righteousness, that be done, not mine. So then, surrender. Surrender is the most difficult discipline because it goes against our most powerful drive. And our most powerful drive is this right here, self-interest. It's all about me. How then do we actually surrender to God? What methods do we use to accomplish this? So, and that's what we're going to talk about here. We're going to outline some methods here. The first one is to study Jesus. And when we think about studying Jesus, what we're talking about is focusing on Jesus so we'll know who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. And at the same time, we, when we talk about imitating Christ Jesus, we have to know him because, you know, when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, how do we know if we, how do we know if Paul is imitating Christ if we don't know anything about Christ? Are we just looking at Paul and go, okay, yeah, Christ must do that? No. We got to know Christ in order to know if Paul is truly imitating Christ. Because if we don't, when it comes to that point where he's, where, where we say, when, when I stop imitating Christ, you need to continue. Well, if I don't know Christ, I don't know when you stop imitating him. When I became a Christian, that was one of the first things that, uh, Ray, Ray Woldrich, 
Ray Raymer and Wilbur Ward just taught me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And they also taught me what Christ was all about. So when, when Wilbur, for instance, stopped imitating Christ, James continued. And some years later, to Wilbur's uh, uh, credit, he had come back to Christ Jesus. And one of the things he said, he said, of all the people I talked to gospel, only two that I know of are still worshiping God. You and the guy that was doing the gospel meeting at South Anchorage that day, that week. So then, at uh, Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 2, when we talk about focusing on Christ Jesus and fixing our eyes on Christ Jesus, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to study the life of Christ Jesus, not simply know the facts about Christ Jesus. Uh, anybody who's ever done a prison ministry, and I know some ladies in here has done prison ministries. And one thing you can, I can guarantee you inside of those bars, there are a lot of people inside of those bars who know facts about Christ Jesus. But they don't know Christ Jesus, and therefore, they're not imitating him. And therefore, you have that recidivism that takes place. It's, to them, prison is like a revolving door. Because once they get out, they go right back to what they were doing before. And they forget all about all of these facts that they had about Christ Jesus. They've forgotten all about those. So then, Paul, Paul gives us some practical information concerning some things that are required by the discipline of surrender. I want to take us to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The word there says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, there are four things that we get from those two verses. Four things that we get from those two verses. In verse three, number one, it tells us, do nothing for selfishness or conceit. In verse 3, it also tells us, with humility, lift up others before self. Now, how do we go about doing this? It's easy, in a sense. Well, I take it back. This is not always easy. We have to stop talking and listen. We have to stop talking and listening. In verse 4, he says, do not look out only for yourself. He's not saying you throw yourself out and don't care about you. Yeah, care about you. But also look out for the interests of others as well. Now, these, these are the things that Jesus did as he modeled surrender for us. I want to take us back to Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 11, but I want to go back and start at verse 5. It's not on the board, but I want to start at verse 5 and then work my way up through 6. Verse 5, again, it reads, Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, 
Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Verse 10. So that... At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we look at Christ Jesus, this is what we find. Christ Jesus, he released his grip on his heavenly self for the earthly on our behalf. He emptied himself of the power of God to become like us human beings. Christ Jesus became not just a man, but a poor, lowly servant of man. And finally, Christ Jesus accepted this. He accepted the cruel, undeserved death. And when you put all of those together, brethren, this is what you call total surrender. This is what you call total surrender. And so the first step toward uh, surrender is the study and imitation of the one that is Christ Jesus, who perfectly accomplished surrender. Number two. Oh, my goodness. Another sidebar question when you know it. Okay, sidebar question. What does comparing ourselves to Christ Jesus mean? And how does it cultivate surrender within ourselves? Well, I think that uh, when we just think about ourselves, we can think about how bad we have it or about everything that God has asked us to do and feel like it's unreasonable. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus, uh, we realize that he's already gone before us and learned obedience through the things that he suffered and he did it all and being sinless and <laughs> that's not us and uh, so anything that we could complain about we just look to Jesus and you know he did it looking at the joy ahead of him and and we can do the same thing and not feel uh, resentful about any of it because we know that he's already paved the way uh, for us to be successful in it thank you All right. Thank you. So then, that question again was, how does comparing ourselves to him, no, what does comparing ourselves to him mean, and what does, and how rather does it cultivate surrender within ourselves? Well, it starts right here with that first word, consider, that second word actually, consider. We have to consider. The text there at Hebrews 12 and verse 13, uh, verse 3 says, for consider him, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Human beings, you might say when it comes to us, sometimes we all wear our, our heart on our sleeves. <laughs> really, we all wear our heart on our sleeves. And, 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 and the least little thing causes us to lose heart, especially when things don't go our way. But what we need to do, what I need to say to us is this right here. And this is for all of us, not just anybody in particular. This is all of us, James included. And like, I like the way Tony do it, me number one. <laughs> you, you know? 
The next time you feel unfairly criticized, the next time you feel discouraged because of your burden, the next time you are afraid to give up something pleasant and comfortable, what do you need to do? You need to think about Christ Jesus. Think about Christ Jesus and compare your situation to his. So, you know, what this is like doing is right here. You got this big mirror on the wall over there and you got the word of God. Instead of looking in that mirror, look in the word of God. That's the mirror we want to be looking at. Because that's who we strive, who we are striving to look like. That's who we are striving to be like. In other words, then, keep, G- keep Christ Jesus as your standard. He is the standard bearer. All the other human examples are driven by the instinct to survive. But only Jesus modeled perfect submission. So while we and others then seek to preserve our lives, what did Christ Jesus do? He came down from heaven to this earth and laid his life down for sinners like you and me. So when we when we compare our lives to his, not ours, not our sports figures and those so-called heroes, but when we compare our lives to his and imitate his life, when we do this, it, it does something for us. It strengthens us and that it gives us the strength to to carry on with our own Christian lives. Even even when we grow weary and I'll be honest with you on more than one occasion, sometimes I've gotten up and I'm like, my goodness, whoo! I don't believe this. But you know what? By the grace of God, I kept going. And you know what? I, I'm not betting, but I would say I would venture to say most of all of us, if not all of us have gone through that at one time in our lives and probably more than one time in our lives. And that's okay, because the more you do, the more you're going to run into this, really. The more you do, the more you're going to run into it, because we're not always going to get a pat on the back for doing something good. Sometimes we get beat up for doing something good, but we are not always going to get a pat on the back. Number three, let go. Let go. Thank you, court. Let go. (laughs) When we talk about let go, what we're saying is this right here. We're releasing our grip. I'm releasing my grip on the things that I want to possess a control. And it frees me to be in submission to God. It is the effort to hold tightly to my life and my goods. These are the things that exhaust me. These are the things that enslave me. But letting these things go by submitting them to God, this is what frees me. This is what frees us. This is what frees you. John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. We have a Selah moment here. Think about what is said here as, as we're reading through this. When you get your pause. John 12, verse 24. The Bible starts out by saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, 
it stands alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Was that an amen back there? (laughs) He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. How many times have we read in the word of God we need to die to self? In order for us to be fruitful as Christians, we need to die to self. If we don't die to self, we're just like that seed that stays above ground. We stand alone. True life, that is real freedom, can only be found in submission to God. Oh, God. We got a question over here. A comment. Sure, sure. Come on over. last slide you had that scripture about dying to self I mean that is the thing that is so difficult I just remember that movie way back when it was called Six Senses and the kid could see dead people that's the problem we, we don't see any dead people we see alive people who don't want to die it's very difficult I used to pray Lord just kill me <laughs> just kill me because I don't want to I don't want to voluntarily give my life but God is not going to kill us. He's not a bully. He requires us to die, present ourselves a living sacrifice. And you know when you're a living sacrifice, that's mean you're on the altar laying there as a dead person, right? Mm-hmm. But alive. Yeah. And so I'm always struck by that scripture that says for us to die because I think that's the hardest thing for us to just, I mean, and that's what Jesus did. He literally came and showed us how he gave up all of his rights to die for us. And so I think as a Christian, that's the most difficult thing to do is really to be a dead person walking around without your rights. Like the Matthew scriptures, you know, blessed are the poor. I mean, that's sort of countercultural. That's like upside down. (laughs) The, the, The first shall be last. Be like, I don't know, Lord. I'm just going to get in the front of the line. We we don't want to be last. Forget that we want. We don't want to die. We don't want to be last. And so anyway, I'm just, this is sort of like my experience <laughs> in growing in the truth is that that's been the most difficult thing to sustain is a life that is basically dead to self. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. So then, the question before us, therefore, is this. How do we let go? How is it done in practical terms? I want to take us to uh, 
Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5. Proverbs chapter 3, let's go there. Proverbs chapter 3, the Bible reads, and we're actually going to be going through verse 8. The Bible says, and this is how do we let go? How is it done in in practical terms? Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So what I want to do is share with us some practical ways to let go. Some practical ways to let go. Number one, uh, and before I get there, I should say, uh, what we need to do when you talk about, uh, we start with number one, that is, is to let go your possessions. Let go your possessions. That doesn't mean you can't have a house, you can't have a car, you can't have a, one of those cute little boys that you ride on and you don't have to push it. Don't push a button and just take it out of the big bikes. And it doesn't say you can't have any of that stuff. But it said, let go of your possessions. In other words, acknowledge before God in prayer that all of what I have actually belongs to him. I am only a steward. The one thing I would say, be mindful of is this right here. And I've heard it said sometimes uh, during uh, when we when we're given if we have to be careful about attitudes, Lord, here it is. I'm giving to you because it's yours anyway. It belongs to God, but he's given me ownership of it. And when he asking me to give back a portion of it, if my mind said it's yours anyway, so take it. Then am I really giving? I'm not. It's a cute thing to say. But am I really freely given if I'm only giving you what's yours? I mean, how many of us parents would give your child, let's say, $1,000, and you walk in and go, oh, man, I, I got to go get a pizza, and I don't have any money. Son, daughter, can, can I borrow $20 to go get a pizza? Well, it's yours anyway. You're looking like, what? <laughs> like, what? I know what my grandmother would say, boy, you better watch yourself. <laughs> you know? Number two. Let go your desire for position. Again, this doesn't mean you can't go to college and become a doctor, an engineer, an attorney, whatever. It's not saying that at all. What it's saying is just right here. Release your hunger for recognition. Release your hunger for benefits. Release your hunger for advances. And, and rather, for benefits and advances. Release all of this to God, right? And when we do this, what we find is this. We start finding our security in the right place. We start finding our security, our value, and identity with God. Number three, let go your plans. Now, let's be honest. We all plan to take vacations. Nothing wrong with that. We plan. It's nothing wrong with planning. But the thing is this right here. We have, we have to make plans, but we need to be ready. We need to be patient when God 
changes them. That's the catch. Not becoming angry, not becoming discouraged when plans are changed is a clear and sincere way, if you will, of demonstrating that we have let go and given exclusive control of our lives totally to God. And we have control over all of our plans. Next. Now, oh boy, let your, let go your people. Hmm, let go your people. Don't mess this one up either. We need to enjoy our family. We need to enjoy our friends. But we need to realize that they are temporary. <laughs> they are temporary. Give them and your hopes for them over to God. Transfer the responsibility for their lives and their happiness to God. Sometimes we try too hard to make people happy instead of just turn it over to God and let God work it out with them. So now we get to. Yeah, we got a few minutes here. Thought question number one. On a scale of one, very relaxed to 10, very controlling. (laughs) Where would you be positioned? What positive or negative effects has this had on your life? Sister Betty said earlier, she said, boy, these are toughies. (laughs) These are toughies. You know, Nathan, in these situations, you and I have to step up. (laughs) Let me see. Where am I? I'm around, uh, I'm around a seven. Um, Sometimes I'm very relaxed. Sometimes I'm controlling. Okay. And you know, with that, you have both positive and negative effects. You really do. Uh, especially when it comes to children, especially in marital relationships and all that good stuff. It really does. And even serving as an elder sometimes because I may come across as being overly controlling. Anyone else? I don't need a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would say I'm probably at least an eight, sometimes a ten, and um, and I have been working and praying, really working just to lower that down. Sometimes it doesn't work, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, And yeah, it's been a a negative. In a lot of, you know, times for our, I feel negative, but uh, it's worked a lot of positive for for helping people. Um, I would say I'm an eight, you know, but but there's times I think we all vary in there. Um, but I have, I have. All my life, you know, wanted to fix whatever problems were out there. Yeah. And that's the way that is. Thank you. Anyone else? Ah.
I'm more of a two, very relaxed. And sometimes that can be unnerving to others around me because I'm so relaxed and they're like, aren't you going to do something? And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, why not? I'm, I'm good with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm more of a, a one or a two. If, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm still okay. You know, because, I don't know, um, maybe in my inventive way, it'll control itself and work out to my favor. But if I put my hand in it, then I'm going to mess it all up. So I just sit back, relax, put my seatbelt on. It's like, go ahead on. You know what I'm saying? I'm still here. But, um, yeah, most people that I'm around, it just bugs them that I'm just so relaxed. So, And that makes them very hyper. And the hyper they get, the more stressed I get. And then I have to walk away. I have to leave and then they um, misinterpret my actions that I'm not interested. I'm interested but it's just too overwhelming. Your your energy is too toxic. It's just it's just too overwhelming. It just just takes the life out of me. I'm like I'm ready to go to go to sleep. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see okay. you in the morning. You know, so I don't know. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Growing up, I was a 10. Very controlling. I was taught to be very controlling. Having children, they taught me to be a 1. Very relaxed. Not in a good way. It took a while to learn that. I think God has me from 1 to 10 all the time, so I never get comfortable in one spot. And it's been, it's had both negative and positive effects. Um, on myself but I know where I work around a bunch of people it impacts them they see a lot a lot that I don't see or don't even realize but I can say it's in a positive sense Um, I know there are times where they get anyway they see a God or a drive and they may not understand but I think God keeps me between one and ten all the time, all over the board, so I won't be comfortable. <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else? Ah. <laughs> hey, man, I lost 15 pounds. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Even though I work in a very stressed environment, I would say that I'm a 3.5. I mean, I I love the idea of recognizing immediately that I don't control anything. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's the most relaxing place to be when I just decide that I can't control anything. And I'm reminded of that when I watch the birds out the window and look at the mountains and everything is just sort of doing its thing. It's not in a hurry. It seemed to be representative of just the goodness of God. And so I like to be relaxed about everything, acknowledging that I don't control anything. That's that's the place I really strive to be. 3.5. I'm working on lowering that a little bit. All right. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is not get to question 2, 3, and 4, and 5 today, uh, which means we're still going to get a chance on 2, 3, 4, and 5, but not today. Uh, if not next week, depending on Danny's situation, it will be closer to the end of the class, of the uh, series. And, but we will get to those four questions. So we give a little bit more time to think about them. So with that said, let's close up here. Okay. Oops. I went too far. That's okay. So then, the rewards of surrender, and there are rewards to it. The rewards of surrender are the surprises that God has in store for you, for me, when I surrender to him. Keep this in mind. The greater the struggle, the greater the struggle to surrender, that is, the greater the surprise. The greater the surprise. So I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, those sidebar questions kind of got in the way. But those were some good sidebar questions. I love the responses to them. Um, for those online, we thank you for joining us. Uh, for everyone online, as well as those who are here in a moment, we will be having a devotional. I, I hope everyone can stay for that and have planned to stay for that because uh, the men that bring those devotionals took the time to put some thought and effort into those. And when it comes to God's word, it's hard to mess it up. Even the worst speaker in the world won't mess up God's word. Because it is not the speaker, it is the, the word of God itself that cares, that has the power, that has the cloud, if you will. So again, thank you all for being here. And uh, again, it'll be Brother Danny next week. Or if for whatever reason he can't come forward, I will go ahead and finish up those questions that we missed out on today, as well as uh, come up with some more sidebar questions and give us an overview of those first uh, five, those first five lessons. So it can be fresh in our minds when we go into lessons number six through 10. So thank you all again.